Hello and welcome to the PTP Podcast. Hey there. This week's lesson was not presented at Polish in the Pulpit, but at the Great Smoky Mountain Marriage Retreat that we host each year. In addition to the practical teaching, we featured this lesson today to promote this year's upcoming retreat. It's in about four weeks, and it's held at the LeConte Center in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Since it's about six months away from PTP, many people see it as a mid-year mini-PTP with a focus on marriage, family, and parenting issues. We do hope that you'll be able to join us this year. Most couples can attend the retreat for around $500, and it's a great mini-vacation that will enrich your family for years to come. You can learn more about the retreat at SmokyMountainMarriage.com or send me an email at Wes at PolishingThePulpit.com. Now, let's listen. Now, look, I, we have some other preachers in this room, and, and you know about this. Uh, I, I wrote this speech for today's session, spent some time on it. It was a great speech. <laughs> and I, I wrote a list of power words. Sat and pondered it, wrote my list of power words. And I was good to go. And I thought, hmm, yeah, before I make this speech, I think I'll uh, bounce this off of Mrs. Collie. And I'll say, and, uh, I'm going to read my list to you. And, and you just tell me if there are any power words for marriage that you think about that uh, I've missed. Thought she might say, oh, no, that's great speech, Glenn. That's what I was hoping. So I read my list. But before I did, she said, well, of course, Glenn, you know that power words for women are different from power words for men. <laughs> Blew my speech. Blew the speech. And I, I said, well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I know all about that. I said, but what do, what do, do you, you mean about it? <laughs> and she said, well, you know, power words for women would be like, and you got, she said, and you got to come up close to her face to say them. But the power words are, I'm so proud of you. Or you, you got to be close to her nose. She said, she said, you are beautiful. And then the other one was, I'm so glad I married you. I said, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and what, I said, and what, what did you think about uh, the other way? And she said, well, you know, a woman to a man, power words, words would be like, you are a great lover. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. Or, I'm so grateful for how you provide for our family. Or, you are a great leader. Well, the problem is that the speech I had written had none of that stuff in it. <laughs> it was a great speech, but not that. And so uh, I said, well, you know, that's very good. That's very good, dear. And um, and then we were laying in bed, and I, I you know, and I said, uh, maybe she did. What, what are power words that we use? And that, uh, that question brought about the speech that I'm going to make to you now because it was, in my mind, better than anything that I had thought of or she had thought of. And, and what is unique about this is that 
these, these are our power words, so this is rather personal. I'm going to invite you into my marriage for the next few minutes. And, and I'm going to do this because, uh, not, not, not because our marriage is special uh, to you, but, but because I want to make an assignment. I, I don't know if being a speaker in this retreat gives me that privilege, but I would like to try it and make an assignment to you. After this session, sometime after this session, perhaps tonight, I want you to find a time when it's quiet. Now, Mrs. Colley and I were laying in the bed talking, and, and that's when this speech came about. Uh, and, and, and what we started to do is to exchange things that we say to one another that are big to us. Some of them I'm going to have to explain. I've got a list of them. I'm going to show them to you. But every one of them has a, a great significance to us. So I want you to go through this exercise, and all I'm doing this afternoon is getting you started. All right? And, and, and what we realize, too, is that power words are not the kind of thing that you, that you read in a book from Kipling or Thoreau or Emerson. It's not like that. In a great marriage, it's about day-in, day-out living and things that our lives just melted together. I mean, we just became one person, and so we talk together in things that are significant to us. Well, let's go. Here's the first one. Can I have your wallet? <laughs> no, no. I'm serious about this. So the way that it works is that it'll be at the close of worship or something, and I'll have people around me, and we're talking, and, and it's, you know, and, and Mrs. Collie will come up, and that's what she'll say to me. I never flinch. I just reach out, and I hand it to her. Now, I know that. You say, well, yeah, but you know what? There's significance attached to that. Proverb 31 talks about it and says the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. I never, ever, ever worry about Mrs. Collie and money. I never do. She, she has my back. I, 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 we, I trust her. I, I never think about that. And, and so my credit cards are in there, but it's not just that. It's, it's about trust and it's about the fact that there's nothing in that wallet that I'm concerned about her seeing. Right? Because she and I are one. Whatever is mine is hers. Whatever money happens to be in there, and there's never very much, but whatever there is, it's as much hers as it is mine, and she can have it. Here's the next one. Can you see my hand? This one isn't going to make any sense to you until I tell you. But when we were in college together, where we met, and and uh, we were in college when I asked her for her hand, but... And you, you had something like this when you were dating. This, this was, you know, the symbol for lo- I love you in deaf language. You know how that is? Well, when we would be holding hands in wherever we were, usually in some sort of an assembly, and we were holding hands, sometimes I just felt like I wanted to say that to her. And so I would just make that sign in her hand. And she would reciprocate. Or sometimes she would just feel it. She would just do that. And... So we married, and, and we've been married for 34 years. And still there are times when we will text or write back and forth and ask this question. Nobody else really knows what it means until today. I just let you in on the secret. But, but it means this. It means I love you and I miss you. But there's something I want you to get from this, and that is that you see that, you know that little girl that was 19 years old that made my head spin? Couldn't wait to get around her. Inside of my wife, I mean, we've been together all these years, but 
that little girl's still in there. She's still in there. And I, I want to keep this alive. Will you hear what I'm saying? I want to keep this alive. I don't just mean the symbol. I mean the feeling. I want to remember that that 19-year-old that I fell in love with is still my wife. It's the same girl. we just been a lot of miles together, that's all. Are you ready? Can you listen for a second? I don't know if you've noticed this, but the use of computer devices is very addictive. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about you and me. Uh, I, have, uh, I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. And I have a laptop. I'm connected. I'm clean about what I look at on those things. But that doesn't mean it's not addictive. I, I have times, I have had times or when I was talking to my wife or she to me, on devices and to say, can, can you listen for a second? Let me interrupt what you're doing on the computer in order, can we have a conversation? And so that's the reason I phrased it this way. I don't have time to spend a lot on this point or any of these points because I want to, I want to make 32 of these. I'm kidding. I don't mean that. But, <laughs> but I do have several. Well, what I want to say, can I just make some rules? You let me buy with the last one. Let's make some rules. Gentlemen, ladies. Let's make some computer rules. These are the, these are the, the, the devices rules. Number one, don't you use your devices when you're sitting at the table eating. The exception to that will be, number one, if it's an emergency, I mean somebody's bleeding or something's on fire. Or number two exception will be, if you're having a conversation and, and you need to look something up to continue that conversation. You know, like, now, where are we going to go when we're on vacation? Well, let's go to, <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be nice. How far is it? Let me check the mileage. If you're having a conversation and the computer is contributing to that conversation, I'm good with it. But I want you to stop what you're doing with those stupid iPhones during supper. The Bible says, oh, that was strong, wasn't it? I... <laughs> but you know I'm right. You know I am. Ephesians 5 says that a husband is to love his wife as his own body. He that loves his wife loves himself. And that, that I'm to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Do you know what that means? It means that there cannot be... I mean, what? how much did Jesus love the church? Well, Jesus went to the cross. That is to say then... No ambiguity here. I, I'm to love Mrs. Collie enough to die for her. That's what that says. You say, how do you know? I mean, how do I know if I love her enough to die for her? You remember the old joke, you know. Wife said to her husband, Fred, you always say you love me enough to die for me, but you never do it. <laughs> never do it. <laughs> if you don't live for her, you wouldn't die for her. That's the simple truth. And what can happen, and it may be happening in your life right now because it's happening in lives of a lot of other people, you don't have any conversation much because you're so tied to those devices. And it snuck up on you. You didn't mean for it to happen, but that's how addictions are. The first rule is stop using it at the table. Put it up. Make a deliberate decision. We're not going to use it at the table. Number two, feel at ease. I'm sorry, feel ill at ease anytime 
you're in the room with your spouse and you're surfing the net. I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about surfing. I'm talking about the, the you know, the, I'm looking at Facebook or email or eBay or, or whatever. It, you know, I'm, I'm just enjoying surfing the net. Uh, without, if you, you take out the corruption that Wes was talking about a while ago, there's nothing wrong with surfing the net. It's a fascinating thing to do. But I want you to be ill at ease when you are using the Internet in a room where your spouse is. Now, I'm not saying it's always wrong. I'm not making that rule. But the rule I want to make is that you be ill at ease enough that you're cognizant of what you're doing, that you look at her or you look at him and you think, is this an appropriate time? Am I interfering with what could be conversation with my spouse? Am I doing something stupid here? Because you know what marriage is made up of? It's made up of days, of individual run-of-the-mill days, and they link themselves together, and you get old, and you die one day. That's what's going to happen, you know. And you, you can't waste them. And don't let those devices take it away from you. The third rule, resist addiction. Fight it. You've got to fight the addiction. But it's an addiction. What? Well, how do you know? Well, so you cut yourself loose for a couple of days and see if you're okay with it. And if you get the heebie-jeebies, you probably have an addiction. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Now listen to this closely. Paul said, All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Do you suppose that there are Christians right now who in the true reality are under the power of electronic devices? That's it. They just... I, okay, how is it with you? How long can you sit without looking at Facebook? Are you itching right now? Some of you are. Look at that. You're, you're quivering a little bit. How long has it been since you checked your email? How long has it been? Well, it's been 10 minutes. <laughs> right? You're a Christian. I, I'm stepping outside of the marriage question right now. I'm talking about you as a Christian. Don't be addicted to this. And the only way you're going to be able to beat it is be sure that you can control it. Be sure that you're... And what that means is just make yourself say no. Sometimes you're going to really want to do it. Brother, brother Gus Nichols one time, I'll never forget this. I, I don't even know if I'd been born yet when he said it, but somebody offered him some watermelon. He said, no, I think I won't eat it because I want it so bad. You say, that's silly. Eat the watermelon. No, 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 wait a minute. What he was trying to do is what I'm proposing to you. I want you to teach Internet a lesson. Teach it a lesson. It doesn't own you. It doesn't control you. Does it control you right now? I don't want to see your head shake because I'm afraid of how many people would say yes. I'm telling you this is addictive. I know it because I've got the devices. I know. Can't let it control you. And you certainly can't. can't. If I was the devil, I think I would love evenings. When you got a husband and wife sitting in a room, sitting in a room, and they're not talking to each other because they're both wrapped up in the internet. Same room, but very far apart. Very far apart. All right, let's go. Do you think I should send this? The way this works is that, that Mrs. Collie and I, and again, this is not a, I'm not trying to talk about my marriage. I'm just using this illustration. But we are us and everybody else is them. That's how it is in your marriage. That's how it needs to be. We, we do a good bit of writing, and, and it is very rare. 
It is exceedingly rare for something to come out of the Collie House for publication or for, for even for a blog or for an article or sometimes for a counseling letter to come out of our house and we haven't both read it. That is not because we made any kind of rule. We don't have a rule about that. It's about preference. I, I write something and I, I would really like for Mrs. Connor to read it because there may be something in there that could be taken completely wrong. I don't, you know, here's a line in here. I know what I'm thinking, but, but maybe it would be misinterpreted. I didn't do a good job wording it. Mrs. Connie will catch that and say, I think if you write this, somebody's going to think this. Oh, man, you're right. We do that together. Now, the reason we can do that is because we know one another's hearts. Remember what 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We know one another, and she knows my heart, and that I mean no harm. I want to do good and no harm with anything that comes out of my pen or out of my computer. I, I don't want to hurt anybody. And, and she helps me with that. The only reason that's possible at that level of trust and confidence is because we've been married so long and because we share the same faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and His Word. We are, we are one. I want you to have that. She is thus an extension of me. Here's the next one. Stay with me. This one is not as serious as it sounds. It's not like, please don't divorce me. That's not this one. This one is, is one that we sometimes say when we're in a big crowd of people and we don't know anybody. You ever go to a wedding, you know, and you, there's so many people there and you hardly know anybody. And, and so she'll say, uh, stay with me. And that means I feel kind of awkward here. And I won't feel awkward if we're together. Well, I rather like that. Uh, I, I say the same thing to her when we get to big meetings like we're having right now. And my problem is that her ability to remember people's names is, is so much better than mine. And so the way this works is, stay with me. And we come up to somebody and, and she knows that what her role is to help her poor husband is to say, why... John and Mary Brown, it's good to see you. I want her to say their names. Then I'll say, John, you old rascal, how you been? Right? And then, so, stay with me. This one, this one is very personal. I had some minor outpatient surgery recently, a few months ago, and that required putting me way under which I had never been at that level before. And, and that little girl who was, I was in the operating room laying and they had all these things. They had some soft rock going on in the doctor and, and they were working, you know, and you know how that feels if you've ever done it. It's just, you know, kind of intimidating, all that equipment and lights. And, you know, this girl, the anesthesiologist was beside me there and, and she said, uh, you're going to start feeling a little funny, Mr. Collie. And I said, ooh, you're making the room spin this way. And she said, you're going to go to sleep now. And I never saw her again. <laughs> that was it. I don't like that. I don't mean not seeing her again. That's not what I mean. I don't like giving up control. Maybe that's a guy thing. I mean, I, I'm ill at ease with that. That she's putting me to sleep and I have no control over my world. You know why that's okay with me, how I got through that? I don't mean that I got crazy in the head about it, but you know why I'm okay with it? Is that Mrs. Collie is an extension of me. She's me. And even if I'm incoherent, I'm awake in her. 
I'm awake in her because even if I, if I don't have control of my faculties, she's got control of my faculties. There, nobody's going to give me the wrong drug. Nobody's going to neglect me when I'm in that state so that I could be in some sort of physical trouble. She's me. She's there. She's me. And even when you're in that state where you're just starting to come to and the world makes no sense at all, and but, I, you know, I, I knew who had my hand. I knew. I knew. I, I couldn't see her, but I knew who was holding my hand. And the world was fine with me. Everything's okay. There will be a time in your life when if you have, even if you haven't used this, that you will. And these will be power words. Ephesians 5 says that a man's to love his wife as his own body. And that's how that works. Next. Can I load your car? So here's what happens is that after my minor outpatient surgery to correct this little thing, uh, I, I, uh, I couldn't lift for, I think it was six weeks. And you had this, this limit, a dozen pounds, 12 pounds or something. You can't lift until the six weeks are over, which was really a, that was really a nuisance. But the worst part about it that I didn't anticipate was the feeling that I had when I would see Cindy carry a box of books or groceries or luggage. And it, I'm telling you, I did not like that feeling. And, and she didn't like it much either. She, and she said something nice to me about, you know, I never realized it, but you, you always, you never let me carry anything heavy. Okay, here's an assignment, gentlemen. Ready for another one? I know that you're already doing this. I know that you're already there, but the assignment is you must never, ever let your wife carry anything heavy in your presence. I mean, you, you've got to grab it. That, that's, you know, First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, that we're to give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. I don't know how many ways she might be weaker, but one of them is you're stronger physically. And besides that, you're a gentleman. And the groceries, you know, come in and get out there and, and help her. Get those groceries in. And, and if she's walking, if she's got up, it got you. she's carrying your baby in her arms and she's lugging that diaper bag. Carry the bag. Don't you let her carry those heavy things. Grab it. Carry it. Why? Because you're a man, that's why. And because you love her. Can I load your car? Now this one, this one, you know, this one's in all the books. But I didn't include it because it's in the books. I mean, you, you understand all the logic behind this and how, how that a wife needs communication with her husband. And this is so very important. I don't, I want you to know right now that, that I, I say this to Mrs. Colley at the end of our days. But not, not the, well, this seems, I'm not trying to brag about it. I, I, I say it because I really want to talk to her. I, I want to know. And, and she's going to reciprocate at the end. You know, she's going to tell me about her day and the, the events of her day and we'll have that conversation. And then, and then she'll say, tell me about yours. And then we'll go through that. I, I look forward to those conversations. I don't know. It's just about having somebody who cares. Somebody who cares what happened in your day and the stresses and the ups and the downs and the pains and the joys. And this was exciting, but 
It's just not worth much. I, I don't think if, if Mrs. Conley should precede me in death, I think you just better well just go ahead and shoot me. I, you know, I don't think I'm going to be worth much because, uh, because I depend on her. I, I need to be able to talk to her and I need her to say, how was your day? I need to say to her, how was your day? That's about being married to a Christian. Okay, let's pray. I don't mean, oh wait, wait, I don't mean us. <laughs> this one is, uh, when the kids were, were uh, born, I don't remember, this has been so long ago, I don't remember if we started. It seems to me that, that, that we made sure at that point that we did this, but perhaps you've heard me talk about our story time, our family Bible time at night. And, and uh, we d- we've done lots of different things about that. And when the children grew up and left us, we didn't stop, of course, having that. And sometimes, I know it sounds silly, we, we still call it story time, uh, even though it's just Cindy and me. And, but, but we always have some time at night before we go to sleep to talk about something of a spiritual nature. And it's wide. The, the variety is very wide. And sometimes it has to do with some counseling that has been emailed to one of us, and we will bounce it off the other. I think that the advice ought to be this. What do you think? Well, I think we should do this. Uh, sometimes it has to do with the passage of Scripture that I'm studying for class or sermon that I'm preparing. And I want you to think about this point about Moses, because I would never had noticed this before. And we'll talk about that. But it's something of a spiritual nature, something, something biblical. And then we always end with this. And, and before we actually start the prayer, I'm the one who leads the prayer. But we, but we do this together. I mean, so she's going to say, now I promised this person, this person, this person that we would pray for them tonight. So, you know, so I get this. And so I begin the prayer and this is very personal, but I, it's not uncommon for me to get into my prayer, my prayer and then forget the name of that, what was his wife's name? And I, you know, the Lord knows, but I can't remember. And I'll just stop and turn to her and interrupt the prayer to say, what was his name? And she'll say, it was this person. Lord, this person. And so we're sharing that. I, it's, it's a terrible thing, it seems to me, to promise someone you'll pray for them and then not do it. Have you ever done that? You don't mean to do that. You really don't mean to do that, but you sometimes forget. It's unintentional, but... Very often, I mean, it's been true about me in my life that sometimes if I say to somebody, yes, I will, I will pray for you. As soon as I hang up or as soon as we part, I do it right then because I'm scared that I'm going to forget that. And I've just told him I would do it. It would be an awful thing to not do it if you promised. My wife helps me with that. And, and we do that together. You want to bring the book? I don't really care how you do this. Oh, I said that, that again that way, didn't I? I? I don't mean I don't care about you. I care about you. It's a matter of indifference to me how you choose to carry this out, as long as you do. Mrs. Colley and I read books together. The reason is that we travel a good bit, and so we're, we're in the car a lot. And passing that time, I, I, I don't care a lot about listening to the radio. I mean, I like talk radio some. But, but my favorite thing, our favorite thing to do is, is that we read. And by that, I mean she reads to me. That's what I mean. I, I do the driving mostly, except when I take my nap. And she does the, the reading. 
And, and so we, we do all sorts of kinds of recreational reading. We do novels or history. Uh, sometimes we'll get halfway into a book and I'll say, this is terrible. Yes, it is, but she's type A. And she says, but we got to finish it. We've got to finish it. Okay, we'll do it. Now, that may not be your thing. Mrs. Colley just happens to be a great reader, and so I take great pleasure in this. And we'll have conversations about the characters and, and what the plot. And uh, I'll say, now, I think, this is my weakness. My kids get after me. I, I like to think ahead and say, let me tell you what's going to happen. Cliff, I can tell you. What's going to happen is X, Y, Z. <gasps> and Cindy will say, I'm sure you're right, but don't do that because you're messing it up for me. And you know what? She'll turn around and do the same thing. She'll do the same thing, but I don't correct her, and I don't want you to tell her. <laughs> but look, what I'm, what I'm saying is, well, she's not here. She's, she's coming to this session later, but uh, don't tell her. Okay. I want you to have a hobby. It's okay with me if you have hobbies separate from one another. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that can be a productive thing, provided it's not the only hobby you have. You make sure that the two of you deliberately find something that you enjoy doing together, whatever it happens to be. You be sure you have a hobby that you do together, that you can share, that you can talk about, that you can think of. I like to think about it when I'm not anywhere near her. And I can anticipate. It just enriches our married life together. I can anticipate when we're going to get back to this hobby and share it again. You find something. Do you have it already? If you don't, you find it. Find it. All right, next. Pick two. No, it's not gambling. Pick two. I don't know if you guys do this, but, but we've been doing it for years. It has to do with, with going out to eat. And we live out of town, uh, out of Huntsville, 25 minutes. And that's a matter of choice. And we really love where we live. And uh, the, the drive-in, we, we live in a peaceful place that we call Serenity. Well, I called it that. And, and um, so it's kind of stuck. But anyway, that means that, that we're in town a good bit. And that means that we eat in town a good bit. And so there's this, you know, well, honey, let's pick up something to eat. And she'll say, We'll say, I'll say, well, wherever you want to eat is fine with me. Well, honey, wherever you want to eat is fine with me. And oh, boy, you come to an impasse. All of a sudden, you're at an impasse. And, and that's kind of frustrating. So this is how we handle it. I only raised it because, I mean, you know, what? so I'll say, well, honey, pick two. And she'll give me two things that she would be good with, that she would like. And then I pick from that. And then that's how we do it. But, but what's beneath that is that we, we both really want to make the other one happy. You know, I... I'd take her whatever restaurant she wanted to eat at. I, I, even if it wasn't my preference, I'd like to make her happy. You know what? She feels the same way about me. And that's why I raised this one. These are power words because it says, I really care about your happiness. I, want, I care about your comfort. I want you to feel good. All right, next. That was a great sermon this morning. You don't have to be a preacher to get the, the point of this one. But I'm going to tell you a, a secret about preachers. And um, you, you guys who are preachers can let me know if I'm right about this. Um, Wes, would you just nod if, if you hear this and you think I'm right? There are Sundays that, that people uh, don't, don't say very much about my sermon. Then there are some Sundays that people say a lot about it. You know how that is. I, I'm not a very good predictor of that about how a particular sermon will resonate with the, with the people. 
That's not really my objective in my preaching, although it pleases me when they like it. But the fact of the matter is that if every person who heard a sermon I've preached comes out and says, that's a great sermon, Glenn, this fact would still be true. There's really one opinion I need to hear. That, that, that's not a lack of appreciation. I really appreciate everything people say, but if everybody else in the room came out and said, that's a great sermon, Glenn, and I got out and Mrs. Colley said, I think you're off your game today. It's a bad sermon. That's just, how, you know what? She, it's because she knows me so well. It is because I trust her and because there's no flattery about that, she's just going to shoot it straight. She will tell me what I want to hear. And the flip side to that, I don't want you to feel that's, that's negative. I think it's very positive because when she says that was a great sermon, if nobody else said anything at all about it, but she says this, and I think that she reciprocates. I think that she feels the same way about... Is that how you are, Wes? There you are. There's validation. Good. Okay. All right. Here's the next one. Cindy's dad is 92. And um, he, is, he is feeble. Cindy and her sisters are making it possible for him to continue living in his own house. We have someone who lives there with him, but the sisters go at least a 24-hour period every week. And they call him every day. Each of the three sisters call him each day. And so he has constant communication with these three daughters. And that's, frankly, the way that this is even possible. But the problem is his hearing his hearing's not very good. And he, and he loses his hearing aids. I mean, one time he, he microwaved his hearing aid in a, bowl of, in a bowl of jelly beans. I'll tell you about that later. But... He can hear my voice better than he can hear Cindy's voice. And so Mrs. Colley and I are living in the baloney stage right now, which is that our children are at the young and marrying age setting up household. Our parents are in the older age. Both of these sides need us. And some of you are in this time of life. We're in the baloney stage. We're, in the, we're sandwiched between these two. I, I needed to marry somebody who would stay with me in every season of my life. And so did she. This is the season we're in right now. And I want her to know that she can depend on me. I'm in this for the long haul. I don't drink coffee. I like everything about it except the way that it tastes. <laughs> and you know, Mrs. Collie, she thinks, she thinks that, that the more expensive a cup of coffee costs, the better it tastes. And I buy it for her. And we have one of those Coregs. Is that how you pronounce it? Keurigs. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Keurig. Coreg. Um, right. Keurig. And... Uh, so she has these little things, you know, and you put them in the, and you pull down the, and I know how to do it. I, I know how to do it. And so uh, very often I'll get up before she does. And, and uh, I just want to do something for her. Let me make your coffee. We have, we have uh, several hundred people here. I don't know how many, but I'm the only one in the room who knows how to make her coffee. The way she likes it. I'm the only one. I do that.
I'm about to wind this up, but I want to get you this. I want, to, I want you to make sure that you're saying thank you to your spouse. And when I say that, you say, okay, I probably should do better about that. You know, my manners ought to be a little better. Maybe we should be more, more polite to each other. No, 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 no. Let's go deeper than that. I have a magic underwear drawer. What? No, 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 not magic underwear. Magic underwear drawer. It's the drawer. I didn't think you'd laugh about that. (laughs) By magic, I mean that it's always full. It always is. My my underwear, t-shirts, it's all there. My socks. I have a magic sock drawer. I don't, I don't see people putting things in my sock drawer. But every time I go to my sock drawer, it's full of clean socks. And my t-shirts, my undershirts, they're laid out and, and they're folded in that drawer. And it's all full and they're clean. They're all neat and clean. And I get ready to go. I just reach in there in my magic drawer and pull them right out. <laughs> And we don't say thank you. You know, I don't, I don't, I think what happens in marriage is that we, maybe it's just that we've just been married so long and we reason in our subconscious that I do things for her and she does things for me and so it kind of equals out. And so this business about saying thank you, well, that's not such a big deal because we're, it's just all fair. This is a lesson about power words. And you need to, if you have a magic drawer like that, you, you really need to say something about that. Hey, lady, do you, do you have a magic gas tank that just seems to be full? Or, or a yard? Do you have a magic yard that seems to get cut? you have a magic bank account that seems to have its deposits made? And do you have magic bill pay and the bills just seem somehow the checks get written? And they, do you have some magic things in your life? When was the last time you looked at him in the eyes and said, you do that, and you do it every week, you do it every month, and I, I really appreciate that. This is my last one. I don't understand it. I don't understand what it is with women and phones. I can't, I don't get it. But I know that, that if you want to call me, you've got about a 95% chance that I'm going to pick it up. About 95%. That, that, that ratio is flipped with Cindy's phone. And I mean, I, I can, I can recite her message that she has that says, sorry, I'm not available. This is Cindy Colley. I'm not available. And because that's what I normally hear when I try to phone her. Now, now, don't tell her this. She's not here. Don't tell her I say it. But, I, so I, you know, I, I, my, my co-worker, he and I are very close friends, been together for about eight years now, and he's just a great guy. We're very close friends. But uh, Paul said, we're driving the car, and I said, Paul, I just called her, can't get her. <sighs> Paul, women and phones. I, you know, I, I, I need to talk to her sometimes. I need to tell her something or get with her, and she just can't find it. It's either, either she forgot to plug it in, or she doesn't know where it is, or she left it on vibrate, or something. And he said, well, Glenn... It's because you bought that cheap phone. You know, you've got this fancy iPhone thing. She's got the cheap old flip phone. 
And uh, you know what? If you would spend the money and get her a real phone, you know, she would keep up with it. Really? He said, yeah, I did it with my wife. We don't have any problems anymore. I did it with my wife. Really? Yeah. Great. Okay, then. So her next birthday or anniversary or whatever it was, I showed up with that new iPhone. Here, baby. It was really selfish. It was about me, but I didn't say that. <laughs> but she, so she took the phone. You know what? And the next time I tried to call it, I'm sorry. You've reached the line of Miss. <laughs> but this is about that I sometimes need to talk to her. I need to talk to her. You be careful how you say goodbye each day. Stephen Carroll, close friends, knew her at Fried Hardeman. We called her Corlew. That was her last name then. We married all about the same time. She was cute, and he was so much fun, and we had our families, lived in different cities, and we didn't talk all the time, but sometimes, and a while back, they came to our house, and they stayed in the cabin. We have a cabin that we built and for, to, for guests, and so they stayed in the cabin, and uh, it's not uncommon for people to say, hey, I like this old cabin. It's all, it's logs, it's old, you know, we, and we built it ourselves, and uh, I, like, I think we'd like to build one. Well, it'd be great, but people seldom do. Well, Stephen Carey really did. I mean, they, they, I don't know if they got the whole idea from us, but they started building a, an old cabin, a hewn log cabin like ours. They had a piece of land and went and started building that thing. And, and it was getting pretty close. I mean, I think he had started chinking already, which is the stuff between the logs. And, uh, you know, one day Carol brought him some iced tea. We're from the South. And she gave him a big kiss. They've been married about 30 years and so. She gave him a big kiss and told him she'd see him after a while. And uh, that, that car uh, that was near her careened. I don't know what happened, but it T-boned. And she, she died instantly. Instantly. And um, I, I'm not telling you that to, um, to, to really to grieve you. I, I'm only telling you that to impress you. With, with recognizing trivia. We must do that for the quality of our marriages. Are you overemphasizing trivia in your marriage today? Did you do it today? If you did, I want you to repent of it. I don't know but what maybe 90% of the kinds of things we chew each other over are things that could go unsaid and it wouldn't make a snap of difference in life. Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? <clears throat> think about it. Think before you speak. And you think before you say goodbye. I don't want you to live life depressed. I don't mean that. I want you to live life with optimism and joy. I just want you to look at each other and give, don't you part without kissing her. Don't, don't, you, don't you hang up the phone without saying I love you. You don't know. When the last time, I, I, I kind of think that, that we, we talk about old age and we measure old age as being how many years have you lived? I wish we could flip it over 
wouldn't it be good if we could measure old age by how much time we have left? I know you can't because you don't know. But what it would mean is that in this room right now, there are people who look young, but they're very old. Right? What a precious treasure you have. These are power words, but, but they didn't come out of some book. It's about, it's about doing this living thing with Mrs. Colley. Your words going to be different than ours. Your assignment is, I want you to lay in the bed sometime when, you, when it's quiet, and I want you to, to make a list. And you'll leave that exercise being impressed with the fact that you really are, you really are married and you really have a wonderful life. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We would appreciate it if you would share this podcast with your friends and leave us a review on Apple iTunes or Google Play. For more PTP information, visit polishingthepulpit.com or search for Polishing the Pulpit on Facebook.